You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Game Corner, brought to you by nerd to know Media. Now today we have a special theatre-themed episode because our first guest is my very good friend, Saoirse Cheney, who is a theatre practitioner, actor, writer and everything in between, who has a company called Scream for Ireland. Saoirse, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Um, yeah, just, you know, taking away, I think getting more productive during the lockdown as it goes on. I think at the start, all of us who were very active in our careers, there was just kind of the first month was kind of like, oh, what do we, what do we do? Um, <laughs> there's still a lot of that, but there's now there's more kind of things forming. Okay, well, not to get too personal, but I believe you actually did have a theater show that was supposed to go out this week. Uh, would you like to talk a bit about that? Sure. Yeah, so um, I was working on a, sh- a kind of an absurd show uh, called Grizel about, based on the true story of uh, Dublin's pig-faced lady. Mm. Um, and I had gotten uh, funding from the Dunleary County Council to uh, do work in development of that. And the Lexicon had agreed to host it in kind. And that was meant to be on Friday. So I'm a bit bummed about that. But also, I know a lot of people that have lost lots have, who have lost a lot more and I, I just it's more on hold so I'm excited to get working on that once this is all over but I'm there's no set date as to when that's going to happen but you know it is a very physical theatre piece and unfortunately you just got to wait wait it out but it will be it will be done again I, I'm sure of it. <laughs> okay well you mentioned that you were doing projects uh, since the lockdown started what kind of things have you been doing apart from gaming to fill the time? Um, Well, I've been working a lot on my writing, which is a relatively new skill for me because a lot of the work that I do would be devised work or kind of work like practically working in a room. So it's been a challenge to work on on writing and and I'm doing a screenwriting course with Mob Theatre Dublin, which is really good and doing a lot of um, we're writing it's basically writing a screenplay in six weeks so that's been good because film is it's a completely new area for me so learning skills in that um i wrote a first draft of a one-woman show based on my diary entries from when i was a teenager which was particularly uh, eye-opening and cringy and <laughs> a lot of self-reflection yeah i'm not sure i'd be brave enough to go to my diaries back from even two years ago let alone teenage yeah it's quite funny um and I thought I would have to, I mean, obviously I've changed a lot of it, um, you know, for the sake of dramatic narrative and um, privacy and everything. But I thought I would have to change a lot more like than I actually did end up in the, in the first draft, just because, man, when you're a teenager, teenagers are so funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, uh, I, I believe actually I cast you to play a teenager in a show way back when with Underdog, didn't I? Yes, yes. This is my first, my first show. I think I was still a teenager. I think it was, I was 19. Mm. I was only 19 or 20. That was like seven years ago. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think your performance back then matched up to what you're reading in your diaries? Um, well, that was, that was Deb. So it was like 18, whereas the, a lot of what I'm writing, it's actually, it goes from like age 13 to age like 17, 18. So it was interesting seeing the maturity of that. I mean, there's a big difference between 18 year olds and then 13, 14 year olds, but definitely that level of intensity anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fun part to play. Oh, well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to work with you. Now, I also follow you uh, quite avidly on Instagram and all the likes. And before we get into your list of games, you actually do a fair bit of comedy related to Pokemon and the like, don't you, on there? Comedy related to Pokemon? Yeah, I remember Um, you went on this big, long spiel about a Pokemon that was a teacup or something like that. Oh, um, that was just one. um, I got very emotional playing Pokemon. (laughs) sword uh because pokemon yellow on the game boy was like a huge part of my child like a lot of people Mm. you know a lot of people's childhood but i hadn't really played any any new ones and i just uh went a little emotional on my instagram story and uh, people seemed to enjoy it just because i have always had pikachu in my party in every single pokemon game that i ever played and i reached it it reached a time playing sword where i realized i just couldn't have you know, Pikachu or Raichu in my party because I had this adorable teacup Pokemon. I love the new Pokemon in the new Pokemon game. The, I just think they're so clever and, and, and funny. Usually the new Pokemon are a bit weird, but I, I quite like the new ones in Sword and Shield. So I suppose um, yeah. that could dovetail nicely with your sort of teenage diary show, the sort of growing up and saying goodbye to Pikachu type thing. Uh, yes, yes. You know, um, I... <laughs> put that in a minute it's like goodbye Pikachu but you know a special place in my heart just because he's not in my Pokemon party doesn't mean he's not in my Pokemon heart you're still gonna zoom and Skype him and all that oh yeah yeah we'll still uh we'll still have a meet up for tea or a Pokemon tea out of the yeah (laughs) all right so uh (laughs) sorry for taking you down that weird sort of emotional cul-de-sac but you mentioned (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you mentioned a few games before we started recording that some of which I haven't actually heard of the first of which is Vampire what is that exactly yes. um, I'm kind of going all over the place game wise because what happens is I get stuck on a boss for ages and usually I get someone to help me with the boss but you know because of lockdown I'm just like there's no one to help me so Vampire I got it was like half price or a bit more in the spring sales on the Switch but I know it's on all the consoles. It's the same company that did Life is Strange, actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. Well, mm, I liked Life is Strange, but I hated the end so much it ruined the whole game for me. But I know there's a lot of big fans, so we won't get, get into that rabbit hole. Um, but I'm really enjoying Vampire. Um, I think the fighting is... It is really hard, though. I think particularly now that I'm towards the end of it, the fighting gets a bit clunky. And I didn't realize when I started playing it, but it's set during the Spanish influenza in London. So I don't know how escapist it is. Well, I mean, don't make any presumptions because like uh, one of our guests on last week's show, uh, Keith Byrne, he's actually been playing more post-apocalyptic games because he finds them relaxing so that when he goes back to the real world, it's like much calmer by comparison. Yeah, I am. No, I am enjoying it. It it is really interesting that it's set during the Spanish influenza, but it's, it's a good story. And essentially you play as um, 
a vic like a a doctor um who becomes a vampire um and has a really strong beginning and oh the score is amazing as well it's this really like gothic uh like stringy score and i hate horror stuff so if you're not a fan of horror stuff you, it's not going to be too scary for you but what's interesting about it is the fastest way to level up is by killing civilians you get loads of experience but the way to get the most experience is to like talk to them and do missions for them so you have to like get to know them right <laughs> to, um so there's kind of that moral dilemma of like do you kill them or not so I'm trying to not kill anyone, which makes, but then the game is much easier if you do just kill civilians. But it also, there's like real world impacts in the story. Like you stop getting missions for them or like the health status of the district will go down. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I will say that the, the some of the bosses are really hard though. Um, okay, so what kind of, because you mentioned Life is Strange. Is this like a choose your way game or is it an active combat game? Is it turn-based? What kind of genre of game is this? Um, it's a lot more, it's, um, I don't know if, if you heard of Remember Me, which was, again, the same company um, that, yeah, yeah. that game. Ironically, no one remembers, but it was a really good <laughs> game for the, on the PlayStation 3 and maybe Xbox, I don't know. And um, so there, it's fighting, but there's a, it's very story based. So um, you make the you make decisions, and um, they that your decisions activate the story. So it's that type. It's a kind of stressful game where you have to like pause for like five minutes and be like, "What do I do? What do I do?" <laughs> um, and then walking around, uh, killing various different creatures and like the um the combat is interesting i will think it is a bit clunky but i think because it, it's not a very big company so i feel like it's one of those things if it, the company had more money they could have done a really good job um but i'm enjoying it anyway and i definitely think it's worth picking up just for the score and the story and the dialogue choices they do a thing where um you can't go back on save so it saves automatically right so it's if you they, it, they purposely do it that way. So if you want to go back and change the decision, you can't do that. Yeah, it's because that would sort of break the pressure, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the voice acting is really good as well. Um, okay, because uh, I know a lot of people get stressed out by those type of games. Do you ever watch that uh, Choose Your Way Black Mirror episode on Netflix? Yes. Yes, uh, my sister tried to watch it and she got to the very start and the dad said, would you like cornflakes or frosties? And she goes, I'm giving up. This is too stressful already. I can't handle it. So uh, yeah. I know, I know yeah. that kind of choose your way with a big cost potentially can stress people out, but do you find it engaging? Do you? I like, I hate decisions, um, <laughs> but I love, I love decision-based games um, because I, I'm really into story games. Like I just really feel like there's a, 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 a weight to it but mm. I am also the type of person that will if I come up with a big decision you know I will leave it there and like there's been some games where I've literally over an hour have just had the game running <laughs> and has been sitting there and like I hate myself for doing this but like googling like it's the best thing to do yeah but I've I've done that with the telltale games now and again I must confess or mass effect or any of them like yeah yeah 
Um, so but if you can resist the urge to actually check what each outcome means, it is that much more satisfying, even if it's something bad, because so many games are just like an amusement park. You're just like on the rails doing what the game needs you to do. And the story games really give you so much more personal input, don't they? Yes. Yes. It's like an interactive story. I mean, my favorite game of all time will always be Dragon Age Origins. Oh, yeah. Well, same company um, as Mass Effect there. Yeah. So it's a good company. And yes. um, just for those decisions. Would you recommend um, uh, Vampire to beginners then? Or like, who would you recommend it to? Um, I will say it does get, the, um, the fighting does get quite difficult. There's kind of a knack to it once you pick it up. Um, but some of the bosses were frustratingly hard. But then I'm not a very seasoned, like I love video games, but I'm not particularly very good at them. Um, I had to have you help me beat uh, a lot of Final, final oh. Fantasy. <laughs> oh, the Final Fantasies. They could, we could have an episode just on those easily. Like Yes. Um, I, I definitely think it's worth it. And I think just for the company, you know, I think they need more money just for the score alone it's definitely worth it and you can you can play it on easy mode um and it's not that expensive on steam at least it was i don't think it's on sale anymore on the switch um but i know it's on all consoles and i don't think it's very expensive on other consoles now so i definitely would recommend it i'm really enjoying it okay um, and so you kind of preemptively answered my question but where can people find this game then um i know it's on the switch um, but it's on the PlayStation as well and computer. I'm not, I think it might be on Xbox. Um, it's one of those cross, it's, I think it's on everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's excellent. That's a fantastic breakdown. So yeah. uh, let's get to your next game, which is actually a very popular one, Breath of the Wild. I believe you started playing that when the lockdown started. Uh, yes, I was very, very, very fortunate in that literally the day before the schools shut down um, my friend um, lent me Breath of the Wild. So it was kind of perfect timing because I've been wanting to play that game for a very long time. So that was kind of my lockdown. The start of my lockdown was uh, playing Breath of the Wild. And so that was really, really interesting. And um, it's yeah, it's a beautiful game, beautiful game, and it's one of those games where I don't know if you ever played a game and you're like, I wonder if I can do this. <laughs> and with Breath of the Wild, it was just like, I wonder if I can do. Oh, oh, I can. I wonder if I can do. Oh, oh, I can. I wonder like, if I, uh, oh. like what examples do you have? Well, like you know, there's a, you know one of the first. I was just there. I was like, I wonder if I can chop chop down this tree. Oh, I can chop down this tree. <laughs> I wonder if I can climb this tree. Oh, I can climb this tree i wonder if what happens if i put these apples if i can put these apples in the fire oh you can cook it's just it's a game that really rewards discovery okay so like is it i i have played other oh, zelda games before but i haven't played breath of the wild like in a nutshell what's kind of the plot of it um you know, I played at the start of the lockdown and already I played, I'm like, oh, wow, this feel, it feels like I played it a year ago. Time has lost all <laughs> meaning. It's, you, it's really, like, you, you wake up, basically, you're, it's set in, like, um, 
I'm not 100% sure on this. So, I'm, you know, a lot of Zelda fans might be giving out to me. Mm. Um, but I believe it's kind of set in 100 years after Ocarina of Time in a timeline where you actually didn't defeat Ganon at the end right. of Ocarina of Time. So it's basically the premise is, you know, you wake up as Link with no memories. And there's kind of some subplots that you can do collecting, collecting memories. And um, there's no order really in which you have to do things, which is kind of nice. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine who was playing it at the same time as me. And we were, you know, doing completely different things, like going for completely different um, dungeons and stuff. So it kind of has that old school feeling of just, you know, when you're, like in old Zelda games, you had to have like a certain weapon to go to a certain dungeon. Yeah. Whereas this is just so open. You can like just kind of go anywhere. Okay. So, I mean, that kind of brings me to the big question I want to ask you in this episode, which is why have these games in particular been relaxing for you during the lockdown? Is it the immersion? Is it just the feeling that it lets you play and use your imagination? Like what draws you in? I think I've always been into big story games and also music. So like the music in Zelda is beautiful. And like the like, I think that's one thing that brings me back to games is really good music because it really creates the, the world. Um, and um, I think particularly for me, like I'm, I'm quite new to new, I only got, I got my switch at Christmas, but even that I was kind of on the PlayStation three, like I didn't have an, a new generation. And it's as well as just having the time, because I think a lot of those games require a, a big, like they require commitment because if you don't play, you know, at least once every two or three days, you kind of forget what you're doing and it's hard to get back. I must confess, I've it. never actually completed Ocarina of Time for that reason. I always play it to a certain extent, put it down for two or three days, and then cannot remember for the life of me what I have to do or where in the world I have to go. Yeah, I mean, I had that with... Um, Majora's Mask. I Majora's Mask. I, I low key hate Majora's Mask. It's just so stressful. Yeah, I think it's got the. I mean, obviously, it's a brilliant game, but like, it's got the same problems that Ocarina of Time has in the getting lost factor, and then you add in yeah. time loops as well. So you got to pay yeah. attention and get through that quickly. Like, yeah. Well, Breath of the Wild. It's crazy because it's like someone took Ocarina of Time and decided to cross it with. Um, Skyrim or Witcher um, so it's kind of it it kind of reinvents itself as a Zelda game it doesn't um like there's only four dungeons which a lot of Zelda games have a lot more than that mm. um but the four dungeons are quite are quite unique and um like so so beautiful and so rewarding i do feel the story was a little lacking is the only thing with it but the gameplay was just so excellent and it has the weapons breaking which is a new thing in zelda so it can be, you kind of it has you thinking a lot more about what like what weapons you use um okay so it's very much a sort of you mentioned like the skyrim collection but it's very much a sort of zelda for grown-ups like yeah i mean I was never a massive Zelda fan. Like, I played Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker when I was 
older than a lot of people had. So I didn't have the same nostalgia that I think a lot of people have with the Zelda games. Um, and a lot of the time they kind of, like I don't like games making me feel stupid. Like I don't know how anyone got through any of the Zelda games without any sort of walkthrough. And mm. um, I do feel, I think, Breath of the Wild is a lot more accessible than other Zelda games. Okay. All right. Well, then, on that note, that's a pretty good segue into your third game, which is Witcher 3. I believe that's on the Switch as well, right? Yes. I'm not actually playing it on the Switch, though. Um, I So I'm kind of very fortunate video game-wise because my housemate is spending lockdown with his girlfriend in her house, which you know, makes sense. But he left his Xbox here and he, and um, it's like one of, he has one of those, I don't understand Xboxes at all. So it took (laughs) me a while to get into it, but I wanted to play Witcher 3. I was going to get it on the Switch, but he was like, I have it on my Xbox. So I'm playing it on that, which is like my first Xbox experience. Um, Because my my hands, I've always had this weird thing with Xbox because I have really small hands and I find the Xbox controller just doesn't quite fit with my hands the way the PlayStation does. (laughs) um but i heard great great things about witcher 3 and it was there so i've i've been playing a lot of a lot of that and very much enjoying that Um, okay and uh like witcher 3 is one of those games that i feel like even if you haven't played it it's kind of been talked to death and like the obviously there's like the netflix series and that kind of stuff but putting that all aside what do you find appealing about it personally Well, what I like about it, and I'm going to go, this might be a bit controversial, but I didn't like Skyrim or the Fallout games as much as everyone else. Okay. And the reason that I, and I know why, the reason I don't like them is the reason why I think Witcher works and the reason why I love Dragon Age and Vampire is that in Skyrim or in Fallout, you can make all these decisions but I feel like the character that I'm playing never really feels like a character. Okay. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of do all the side. It just, you, you, have, you make all these decisions, but it feels like nothing really has weight or you're not a character. Whereas what's really good in The Witcher, although, again, there's a lot of, it's a big decision-based game. Although you can make decisions, the main character, Gerald, very much feels like a a character like a person so you never lose sense of that and even though the decisions you make can be completely different um you still feel like a character even if you're doing like a bad playthrough um and gwent um is this card game in it which i'm obsessed with um (laughs) it's like it's actually hilarious because the it's like this silly little card game and the story is so epic, but I'm focusing on the Gwent storylines. I find myself accidentally progressing in the stories because it'll be a thing like win a Gwent card from, you know, this person. And then you go to talk to them and you end up like starting this big quest. Like, no, I just want to play Gwent with you. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause even like you can be in the middle of a really intense storyline and then a dialogue option just comes up and it's like, mm. play Gwent. And I'm like, yes, I'm playing Gwent with you. Let's, you know, screw looking for your child. Let's play Gwent. Yes, I, just... I, I have that with uh, Final Fantasy X and Blitzballs. Like you're in the middle of the most important thing that ever happens, but you got to go do some sports. It makes no sense though. It's even, it's even funnier than with Blitzball though, because we have to play Final Fantasy X because 
it comes up as a dialogue option in the middle of intense conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of really helped me like be the character because there's this fun element of like me as this video game character is just obsessed with, with Gwent. It's like my addiction. So like there is this bit where I was following like a Gwent storyline and I ended up like went, went from this card. So I went and it ended up being like a brothel and the woman is like, oh, you're back. Have a look at my fine women. And there's options like, oh, let me see your women. And then let's play Gwent. And I'm like, nope, we're just playing Gwent. <laughs> Don't want to see your women. Playing Gwent and then run away. <laughs> I just have this lovely image of some other hero finishing the adventure and you're still in a pub somewhere playing Gwent. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost too much though. Like Witcher, there's almost too much side quests, especially because I have like the DLC version that has like all of them. Mm. Um, I found it quite tricky at the start and really I kind of went in blind. Like I hadn't seen the series. I hadn't played the first two games. And I always try and play video games in order, even when I'm told I don't have to, like, um, I always try to, and I don't regret it. Like I was told I didn't have to play the first Uncharted and to just play Uncharted 2, but I played the first one first. I'm really glad I did that. So I kind of regret just going straight into three because I didn't really know what was going on. Um, And, you know, it was probably my own fault because there's loads of videos on YouTube that like sum up the first two games. But now that I've been playing it a bit, I'm kind of figuring out the world a bit. And I think because I don't have the knowledge of the, of the from the other two characters, the decisions aren't quite as stressful. So I'm kind of just trying to play it as I would play it. You know, and, and yeah, if that makes sense. So a lot of okay. decision, decision-based games. Okay, so if we kind of had to find a common theme in the games you play... Uh which are just True Fresh Vampire, the Breath of the Wild Witcher 3, and to some degree Pokemon as well. You really like games where you do have decisions that you can make and things that can impact the story, but you don't like them to be so Skyrim big that you kind of get lost in them. I like games with really defined characters. Okay. Um, and I think, I think video games, particularly now, is really an, an art. Um, you know, it's really an art that I think a lot of people for, forget that. And it's a really, if done right, you can really immerse people in creative stories and, and worlds. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think a, a lovely YouTuber I watched called Pop Culture Detective, he made the point that based on the potential of video games, there is no reason why it shouldn't be the dominant storytelling art form. Uh, and yet it isn't like it should be like based on the way we can interact with it and it can change and challenge you and all that kind of stuff so I completely agree with you there like video especially now during a lockdown video games are a fantastic escape from not being able to do our jobs and our theater shows and all that kind of stuff yeah and there's also a nice social like social element to a lot of them as well if you play a lot online I've never been big at playing online but you're you're dead right I think that's I mean the reason I love Dragon Age so much is because you know I played that going through my first big breakup as a teenager and it was the only thing that could distract me because I found films couldn't hold my attention reading books couldn't hold my attention whereas because you have to be engaged in a video game for the fighting and to make sure you know you don't die it kind of forces you to um, to focus on the story okay 
Well, that seems like a really good place to start wrapping up. Is there anything else you want to say on the air before we go to the plugs? Um, I just hope everyone's staying safe and sane. Uh, games, it's been great just, you know, talking about video games. Um, I have also been on the Animal Crossing bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't, but... Um, so that's kind of a nice thing because I just do that, you know, in the morning. I just do it for like a half an hour every day and then I put it down. You have yeah. much better uh, self-restraint than I do, certainly. Oh, I was playing a lot at the start, um, but now that my, my town's a lot more established, it's kind of, and I don't have as much free time and I kind of want to focus on Witcher and finishing Vampire. It's kind of like, you know, I wake up. I'll, dig, I'll look for some fossils, um, check my mail, uh, make sure that there's, there's, check if there's any visitors, and then off I go. Um, <laughs> in my room. Excellent. I pretend I have friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, you've got friends. I do, I do. Um, thank you, Keen. This has been lovely. Um, I hope there's been some, some interesting tidbits in my ramblings. I've forgotten no. how to talk to people <laughs> no this has been absolutely fantastic so far we have been very board game heavy in this series so it was delightful to get some uh proper video game recommendations where can people find you if they want to look up your theater work or just social media or whatever oh yes so um Saoirse Shanae so Shanae S-I-N-E Fada on Instagram Saoirse Ball on Twitter but mainly Screen for Ireland um just Scream for Ireland on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. And just want a whole lot of, whole lot of love. And in this time, I think we've got to support each other. I do miss board games, though. This is a very, I think because I'm not with a lot of people, like it's just me and my mom and my mom is kind of half blind. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to jumping in back in on after this is all finished. But for now, yeah, it's, it's got to it's be video games. <laughs> Well, if you want to do board games over Zoom, uh, Oshin Wallace on our second episode and then Martin Kieran on our third episode, they have lots of recommendations for games that you can play over Zoom. So they might be worth checking out. Lovely. Yeah, I might do. I might do because I do have some friends. Um, before all this, we were, I was doing Risk Legacy, which mm. was like um, you, you add to it every time. So you play this with the same people and it was getting pretty intense. We had like three games left. So that's just <laughs> sitting there. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope, uh, hope everyone's okay. I hope you're okay. <laughs> yeah, we're all good here. Don't you worry. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you very much, Saoirse. You can find thank her you. at Saoirse Shanae, Ball, or indeed Scream for Ireland, her company. We're going to take a quick break and then the Game Corner will be back right after one or two little messages. Stay with us. All right, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nairthnomedia.com or Phoenix 92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Media everywhere. Media on Twitter. Media Instagram. Media on Twitch. Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Are you a nerd? 
Do you like hearing about a bizarre range of topics from the world of nerd? Does your heart and hairstyle still belong in the nostalgic 90s? Are you a sucker for spooky weirdo things? Well, whether you're a hardcore nerd or a vanilla ice ice baby, Straight Outta Canto is the podcast radio show for you! Straight Outta Canto, that's K-A-N-T-O, Ireland's number one show for nerd culture, nightmares, nostalgia and more. Straight Outta Canto. And welcome back to the Game Corner. Thank you very much to Saoirse Sinead, who was on in our first half. Sticking with our theatre-themed episode, we now have a very good friend of mine, Rory Dunn, who is an opera singer, and actually whom we were in the same class together in college. Rory, how are you doing? Hey, how are you, Dean? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Uh, Just, yeah, getting through the lockdown as well as I can. It's not been too bad. I mean, there's been no work, which is a pain, but... uh, yeah, I thought I thought the whole isolation thing would be uh, worse than it was for me. But I guess as a musician, I spend most of my time just sitting at a piano by myself anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, speaking of the music, we're going to talk about that in a sec. But this is actually your second podcast appearance very recently. Would you like it to talk is. about your first one? Yeah, I, do, yeah, I, I guess I'd never, well, I'd, I've never really experienced podcasts other than listening to them. But I guess... Uh, there's a, a lot of nice ones coming up, which is, a, which is a good silver lining of the bad situation we're in, I think. And uh, yeah, my, uh, my friend Connor Prendeville, he uh, is an older opera singer and he started one up called the Herd Community, in which he kind of interviews opera singers and uh, music professionals and that sort of thing about their how their experience of uh, the lockdown in opera has been, but also he just asked them to speak about a certain type of music. I ended up doing uh, Desert Island Deaths, so my top <laughs> top 10 favorite deaths in opera. Uh, so yeah, did a bit of that. That's nice. But, uh, you should check it out if you can, anyone. Yeah, it's up on YouTube and Spotify and yeah, all and like, Spotify, yeah. Spotify, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as you said, it's well worth it for the animation of you talking in the start. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I wanted to actually talk about that because you were talking about the best opera deaths. The first show we did together had you dying a pretty good death in a oh, Greek yeah, play, yeah, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, Heracles. Yeah, the that's women it. of yeah, Trachis yeah. or Trachis. I can that's never it. Yeah, that yeah. God, that's a show back. I, I forgot about that almost. I just remember. Uh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of funny things in that show. That was good. That was a good crack, though. That was great. Uh, I miss Ali. I miss doing plays. I yeah. Than operas. I miss that as well. I thought about it actually because you uh, tell some really good stories about opera deaths. And <laughs> you, I remember in that show, you did the best saving throw I've ever seen in the theater show where you were supposed to be killed by a cape and someone instead of putting the cape in, put in like a red t-shirt with like a, a oh, game over God, thing on it. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> It said the word game over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen, like, it's like it was a big Greek play. There was like 20 odd of us on stage, all kind of getting the oh, same thought at the same time. And if you were panicking, God. you didn't show it. Like, you just wrapped it around your neck and saved the show. Like, Keith, that memory was completely gone out of my head until now. <laughs> I think it blocked it out because I'd have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that. Sorry. Oh, that's so funny. I, can, I completely now remember exactly the feeling of what happened and also just trying to not let the audience see the logo and like trying to drape it over myself <laughs> real pathetically. Because it wasn't even that's a big so t-shirt. Funny. Like it was a small no, enough one. <laughs> and I'm a big guy. So I was just like, oh, here we go. Strapping people. The cuckoo's nest got a got to treat that night. The cuckoo's nest's gone now. It went by with a... Yes, year. sadly, I think it oh, isn't anymore. 
The pub mm-hmm. might still be there, but I'm pretty sure the theater yeah, is gone, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, to be fair, it was rat infested and haunted, probably as well. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, you didn't <laughs> you didn't feel right being in that theater. Like, something was gonna no. go down. Like, I do miss it though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sticking with the kind of theater stuff before we get into the games. Uh, yeah, how yeah, yeah. you mentioned like you've lost work over this. What's like? How's that been like treating you like? Yeah, I've, yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone in most industries is kind of the same. No, not all of them, but I like a lot of the arts industries, especially. Um, so the last thing I would have had on was uh, Carmen and the board Gosh with Irish National Opera, which ended up being put. They pulled the plug on it about two weeks before it was going on stage, maybe a week and a half before it was going on stage. But um, so you know, there's been a lot of losses like that. Blackwater Valley Opera Festival. Uh, a few other things during the summer, Opera Collective Ireland, which and a tour from Cork of um of Vaughan Williams Opera. But I mean, in as many uh times as as the companies can afford to or the companies are accommodated to, they've been paying us uh if if not our full fee, a portion of them for some of them, which is which I've been really lucky for because I know a lot of people who have just you know been let go from their jobs and have to had to I mean have had to either go on the COVID payment or look for some other sort of emergency work um but yeah i think at the moment i'm doing okay considering uh that i've got like half of my wages from the time i would have missed and luckily i'm not spending any money because i'm just sitting at home <laughs> <laughs> yes i believe you uh, it's not one of the games you're going to talk about today you clocked up an impressive amount of animal crossing hours or something like oh, that oh god yeah <laughs> 250 hours plus I'd say, yeah, um, which is a pathetic statistic, but it's not like I have anything else to do. Oh, you um, might as well get involved in the community. Yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, considering the amount of hours I put in, my hour, my island should be far more impressive than it is. <laughs> All right, on that uh, positive note, we'll swap yeah. into the games you want to talk about today. So I believe you've got yeah. a few board games today. Yeah, I do. So I've got the first one I have, uh, when you asked me to just pick one, I kind of looked at the first one on the, sh- on the shelf that, uh, I don't know, that brings uh, good memories is Betrayal on the- Betrayal at the House on the Hill. It's, yeah, uh, so take us through a, that a then. We've had game by Bruce Glass. <laughs> ooh, lovely. We've had Oshin, uh Power and Fionn Power recommending it, but they didn't quite have as much time to get into detail. So why don't you tell yeah. us about it? Yeah, cool. So, uh, I mean, the first thing I'll do is I'll read the actual game overview from one of the three rule books that you're given. Um, so, in Betrayal at the House on the Hill, each player chooses an explorer to investigate a creepy old house. So, uh, out of these explorers, they all have different sort of um, stats. So, you've, you've got uh, these kind of, what are they, pentagons, uh, which have your uh, your character, two characters, one on each side, and you get to pick... Uh, whichever one you're doing. And there's actually miniatures that go with them, which are they're quite, a, quite a nice, I was impressed by this, for the price of the game. The actual cards and tiles and miniatures are really well put together and they're quite sturdy and well painted, which uh, isn't always the case, I think. Yeah, I've got to say, more often than not, I've, we've had to paint the figures ourselves, which is great fun. Yeah. But it's very These impressive are, to see them going to the effort. Yeah, like. that's true. Yeah, these are really nice. Um, they're all quite, and they, they all range from like a, they all have quite great names as well. Professor Longfellow, who's uh, <laughs> and they, they give you a rundown. Uh, age fifty-seven, height five eleven, weight one hundred and fifty-three pounds, and hobbies 
uh, Gaelic music, drama, fine wines, and then it gives you the birthday <laughs> of the character as well. And then uh, each character is broken down into uh, four different, uh, what would you call them? Like they have four different skills. So uh, speed, might, sanity, and knowledge. So within the game, uh, th these range up from uh, zero to seven. I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are eight, eight numbers going up in various degrees of between one and one and seven. And uh, as you as the game progresses, your might or sanity or speed or knowledge can be dropped or raised um, a certain amount, which helps you do better at certain tasks. But if any of them gets down to the skull at the bottom, your character's dead. Um, uh, okay, well then, what's the what's the goal of this game? Are you all working together? Yeah. Are you getting through a maze? You are. Like, so there are, the two, yeah. there are two. There are two. There are two main sections to the house. So uh, in the first section, you explore the house and you discover new rooms. So it's a, a tile flipping adventure in that sense. You start off with your. It's kind of a, a longer tile than the rest. It's like a a, rec, large, a long rectangle, uh, which is the entrance hall of the foyer and the grand staircase. Um, and out of these. Out of uh, two of these rooms have two exits on each side. And pretty much you can go, there are three levels to the house. There's the basement, the upper, and the, uh, the main level, the like ground level. Um, so you have to, one tile at a time, explore each room. Uh, and based on your speed is how many. So once a room is explored, that's your, you, that's your action taken up. And as you flip these rooms out, They'll have different symbols on them. So I'll, I've, I have them here in front of me, and I'll, I'll flip a random ground floor one over. Oh, and I got the coal chute, which is a, a one-way slide to the basement landing. So you flip that over, and your character goes straight down into the basement, and you're separated from the rest of the party, pretty much. But um, there's there's a lot of interesting cards and that sort of stuff. Just uh, and a few of them have symbols on them. So uh, there are three types of cards that you can get. There are Oh, no, there are two types of cards. Oh, no, are there? There are three, yeah. So you can get item cards which pop up, and uh, they can be things like, hold on, I'll just pick out a random one here. Um, so dark dice. Are you feeling lucky? Once per turn, you can roll three, you can roll three dice, um, and the result is based on this. So if you get a zero, you reduce all of your traits to the lowest value of the skull sim symbol and discard the dark dice. On one, you draw an event card. On two, you gain one mental trait. Uh, which are your two traits, either sanity or knowledge. Uh, then three, immediately move into the adjacent room, no movement cost. Um, four, gain one in a physical trait, which are your speed and might. And then five, move one other explorer into the same room. Uh, oh, yeah, into the same room, into a, that's in the same room as you, into an adjacent room. Or six, move the location of any explorer not revealed as the traitor, which we'll come to. <laughs> okay, so before we kind of get into the traitor stuff, like, yeah. is this for a large group of people? Would it be for... Yeah, kind of like... so three to six players, I think, is the prescribed number of people. Yeah, three to six players, it says. Uh, I've, I've played it with uh, up to six people. You can, I mean, I'm not sure if you can get an expansion or if there are any, uh, any other versions of it. I haven't actually found out. But, um, yeah, I've played it with six people, and it's... Uh, I think it's better in bigger groups, uh, just due to the due to the nature of it. So you're all working together from the start, uh, entering new rooms, finding things, and uh, just trying to explore the house and figure out what's happening. And as you continue on and get more items and things, 
uh, and ev events can happen in the rooms as well. Uh, so it might be like you run into a cobweb um, and you have to try and escape or um, I don't know, you find, you find a hanged man in the room and as you, in, as you come across these things, you roll a dice and that will um, either give you a negative uh, thing happening or a positive thing happening. Um, so that all kind of adds up. And then as you continue on, uh, eventually uh, the events, uh, you roll a dice and as more events come up, the more likely it is that uh, an, an omen card will come up. And the omen cards, once there's a certain amount, oh yeah, once a certain amount of omen cards come up, you have to roll the dice against the odds. And the more omen cards there are, the more likely it is that the second part of the game is revealed, the betrayal. Uh, so the, the, more, the further you go on, the more likely it is that the betrayal will happen. Okay, so and, it sounds yeah. like, uh, just to cut across you there for a quick sec, it sounds yeah, like it's a very involved game. But is it yeah, difficult? To, is it difficult to pick up though? I no, it actually isn't. Actually, uh, the one thing the rule book is really good. Um, I found it quite easy to follow based on the rule book. If you just if you just read through it once before you start with everyone you have, maybe or especially, I mean, as with all games, the best way to play it is with someone who's played it before yeah. a few times, preferably. But uh, yeah, I, I found it a, a, quite an easy game to pick up. I think, but uh, but also, I mean, it's. It, I think it takes aspects of a lot of other little games. So, I mean, obviously Dungeons and Dragons has a bit of a, mm. has a bit of a, uh, an influence on it, but um, yeah. And any, any tile flipping games where you explore, um, it's all, it's all that, it's all quite um, reliable and it, it has a formula that it sticks to without being boring, which I like. Okay. And who would you kind of typically play this with then? Uh, so once, uh, well, it used to be once every couple of weeks, I'd meet up with my, my sisters and my cousins, kind of a family thing where they'd usually come over to my house and we would, uh, a group of us sit around and we'd play a different board game each time. But we started playing this one a bit more often, um, which has been nice, uh, especially because it, it's uh, games like, I mean, certain people, one of my sisters especially really likes Pandemic, the game Pandemic. Yeah. because of the working together against the game aspect of it. Um, well, I'm glad you brought whole... that up, actually, Rory, yeah. because the we've had a few board gamers on the show so far, and a lot of them have been saying that even when they play board games across Zoom or whatever, they want to do cooperative games because if you're yeah. only seeing people sporadically, there isn't necessarily that instinctive competitiveness. Now, the tabletop cork vetoed that idea, but for the most part people have been leaning towards the cooperative games so far. Yeah, I would, I would get that. I, I mean, especially in, the, especially in these times where it's kind of like any sort of uh, virtual hug you can give each other. Or yeah, a virtual that's, a, that's a really welcome, nice way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, uh, I absolutely love it. <laughs> Destroying <laughs> someone in a game all the same. I mean, that's why, we, that's why a lot of people play Call of Duty online, I suppose. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm not overly competitive with my... Uh, Animal Crossing career. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think oh, after oh, 250 could... hours, you're allowed to call it a career. <laughs> oh, could you imagine if they mixed those two games together and suddenly you had to defend <laughs> your island? Murdering a lot of animals on an island. <laughs> <laughs> Given all of your like rabbits who live in the village, like arming them to the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that. I'm looking forward to the release of that, yeah. Uh, all right, well, then, until that's released, uh, why is this game on your mind now? Like, obviously, you can't play it with as many people, like, but what do yeah, you find you appealing about Betrayal, like? 
Uh, yeah, but the, so uh, the actual betrayal itself is what is kind of the most uh, interesting aspect of the game. So at some random point during the game, one explorer will trigger a scenario uh, called a haunt. Right. Uh, so this haunt is revealed and one explorer becomes the traitor bent on defeating his or her former companions. So the rest of the explorer become heroes struggling to survive. And from then on, the game is a fight between the traitor and the heroes, often to the death. So uh, there are 50 haunts in the game, and each one has a different story. They're all in a, a separate rule book. There are three. So you've got the, the survival guide, and then you've got the traitor's tome. Which, so the traitor takes the traitor's tome, and you, you would each match up. So say, pick a n- random number between 1 and 50 there. My grind. Um, uh, 42 there. Yeah, 42. Great. Uh, let's see. So 42. Here come ours. Yeah, it says, comes the hero. So I'll read you a little blurb. There's a little blurb and everything. So uh, the blurb is, immortality is something most people would pay anything for. That's why you're amazed that yours came so cheaply. All you needed to do is open a little gateway to hell and your master will let you keep this gift forever. <laughs> Even though you're immortal, time's a wasting. Uh, just just, just a little one, like, you know. Before opening the gate. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it gives you things. So like right now, your explorer is still in the game, but has turned traitor. You can raise any traits of yours below its starting number to that number. And if you don't already have a weapon card, such as the revolver, or axe, or blood dagger, mm. search through the item and omen stack and take the first weapon you come to and then shuffle the stack. Um, so then the, the heroes are working against you trying to close it. Uh, you win if you open the gate to hell. And then uh, to op- it says how you open the gate. So you must sacrifice uh, one of the heroes using a weapon, then bring the body to the catacombs, uh, chasm, or pentagram chamber, which will be flipped up randomly. Uh, at this point of the game, if you haven't got those tiles, they'll flip up one of them randomly. So there's a way to lose or win. Uh, once the body's in one of those rooms, you can attempt a sanity roll uh, to open the gate to hell. Um, and you can, turn, you can attempt that once in your turn. Uh, so your traits don't go up or down because you're immortal in this situation. Um, so they have to find, uh, oh yeah, items can't be stolen from you and you can't, your, your movement can't be slowed down. Um, and you can't be attacked and don't take damage from card effects or room, room effects. So the idea is that you, they have to like find out a way to kill you. So I'll, I'll match it up 42 on the survival guide mm. for the explorers. So they get a different little blurb, which is uh, a statue stands before you, its hand outstretched as if imploring you to place something in it. A message has been carved into the podium beneath the statue to defeat the undefeatable. What could that mean? And why are you shivering uncontrollably? Something has just gone very wrong. And this statue might be your only means to stop things from going bad or worse. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty much told similar details, but not the same thing. So, you know some things about the trader uh, but not everything and they don't the trader obviously doesn't know how you're how they're planning on stopping the trader either so uh i think you yeah within this one you animate this statue as a sort of golem sort of a thing and um it uh yeah the st- the statue is the only thing that can kill the the trader so they have to like set that out in the house to try and follow the uh, follow the trader and pretty much so if he or she uh, uh, does the sacrifice, they win the game. And if the, if the players stop them, then that's the game over uh, in favor of the heroes. 
and there's like so that's just one one thing from it there's a load of different things like uh one of the ones we had was that um oh yeah a load of undead get uh, set out through the castle and the trader controls them and everyone else has to try and uh, stop them with uh, certain items that they've collected and that sort of stuff but it, it it brings this whole sort of level of tension from exploring the game in the first half and everyone's like oh look what i found it's just like <laughs> zero to 90 in a second and it's just like i hate you you have to you know it always ends up with the other person going outside and reading the the trader book in a different room so they can't hear the other people speak and that sort of thing and uh, yeah it's a re it's a really fun sort of a thing um and I, I can't decide whether it's more fun to be the trader or working working together as the hero. Both are a lot of fun. I've only ever played it with large groups, though. I'd be interested to see what it's like with uh, three people. Oh, God. It it's so powerful. Like game. a traitor among one and three of you. Yeah. Like you go oh, crazy pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, and you know who the traitor is, is the other thing. So, uh, but I mean... Yeah, it's a, it's it's a very fun game, and yeah, the board is very nicely set up. There's a whole list of like token, a whole like big board of tokens and everything like that. And you've also so the omen cards are quite uh, quite impressive. They're like things like you get a companion dog that goes around with you, <laughs> uh, which can give, which is really it can like drag items to where you are and that sort of stuff. Uh, what else is there? A companion, another companion you can get girl or weapons like spears or uh, just like little items like a mask that gives you different uh, different attributes and different skills. But yeah, I would I would uh, very much uh, recommend the game for anyone. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think what the play the player time is usually about an hour, I think. Oh Maybe really? For something with that much variety, I was expecting to be much longer. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, because yeah, things can move quite quickly. I d the first time you play it, if no one's played it before, or if you're explaining rules to someone, that could be increased a lot, maybe even an hour and a half, an hour 40. Hmm. But I mean, I'd say once you get into the swing of it, the game generally runs in about an hour, I'd say. Okay. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's absolutely fantastic. Now, we have about, say, four or five minutes left. Is there any other oh, yeah. games you want to recommend before we wrap up, like? Yeah, well, I was going to shoot you what I'm playing at the moment. I mean, Pandemic, I mentioned earlier, that's what someone else spoke about uh, in the, was the last episode? or uh, It was in episode two, episode? yeah, yeah. And yeah. Funnily enough, actually, um, a few people have asked to do Pandemic. It's between that and, I think, Plague Inc. For some reason, like, you know, Pandemic games are, oh, yeah, incredibly, well, are incredibly popular <laughs> now for some reason. Oh, oh, yeah, I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> COVID-19. Uh, yeah, um, I've been playing that, and then I've been playing uh, Catan as well, uh, Settlers of Catan, which is, uh, I think, it's just one of those classic games. That between Catan very much reminds me of Ticket to Ride. Have you had yes, have you, uh, have I you could not wrap my head around the rules of Ticket to Ride. Game. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just I absolutely love games like that. It's like a not to not to rip on it, but it's like kind of a dumbed down version of Risk, which I quite uh, okay. like. Uh, and not as intense as Risk and, you know, the whole getting resource things like you do in Catan. Um, those sort of games, I think, can be a lot of fun because it's like, you know, it's always the first person to 10 points and you're trying to see. You're try it's, it's an easier way because I'm, I'm not by no means a big tactician. And I think those sort of games are about the amount of tactics that my head can, can grasp, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've been... I, 
I've been playing a few of them with my housemates like the time more so because I haven't got a, a copy of uh, Ticket to Ride here. Um, and then other than that, I've been playing quite a bit of Dungeons and Dragons, which I hadn't played in about two years. Yeah, uh, you had a pretty a big game. group going for a while there, didn't you? We did. We had a really fun campaign that we used to play maybe every two weeks or every week sometime. But as, as life goes, you know, uh, some of our members ended up moving abroad to England, uh, some to Cavan, and, you know, two, two of our members had, had kids, much together. And um, so they've got two children now. And things that really wound up, so it was just, you know, we, it was very hard to play. But we were all kind of in contact still, and we were like, oh, I've still, still got this character sitting here. And then randomly, uh, one of the guys got in touch, and he was like, have you guys ever used Roll20 online? And we were like, no. So he set up our campaign from where, it's, from where it stopped on this website, Roll20, which I'd never heard about until recently, which, which has been really good for running campaigns. You just enter your details in. And they, you can generate maps and that sort of stuff on that roll the dice digitally, that sort of stuff. So you don't have to trust people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, another natural 20. What do you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been playing a, um, I kind of benched my, my character. I've been, I've been playing a dwarf barbarian for a long time. And I'm now playing a, a, a human variant a storm cleric or tempest cleric. You know, that follower of Thor that calls lightning down on people, and I I love Dungeons and Dragons. It's uh, yeah, something I come back to every so often. I'm just like, oh, why did I stop playing this? It's mm. so good. <laughs> I'm noticing uh, a pattern with all the games you picked between Betrayal and you mentioned off the air Azul and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You seem to be really drawn to games where you can like build a long road or a long map. Uh, yeah, like in Absolutely. each every well, time. Well, it doesn't maps, but it does have patterns. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Especially games that are, I, I quite like games that are visually, uh, aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Um, but also, I, I love the, the whole character building of uh, Dungeons & Dragons, that there's a continuum in it, uh, that whole, it's like those legacy games. I've never played any of the legacy games myself. I know you can get legacy versions of Pandemic mm. and Possible, I don't know about the Trail of the House on the Hill, but uh, do you know, have you ever played any of them? Uh, uh, the legacy, the legacy games? No, I haven't. No. Yeah. Are you heard? Have you heard of them, Mark? I have. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Is involved. I I don't know anything about them. Other than they go on, like it's a it's a campaign that continues on. I was like, that's quite cool in one way. But then I suppose once you get to the end of that, you can't really play it again. I think. Yeah. Um, well, well see, in in my regard, like we have a little baby, so the board games we play are ones that can be done in half an hour to an hour while she's napping. So the thought Absolutely. of trying to play a game that last weeks is just way oh, yeah. beyond me. Like <laughs> that's an absolute fair, fair thing to say. I'm just sitting here on my own in the house, you know. I have no responsibilities. You're actually, you're actually forming a human, teaching it oh, how to talk and everything. Oh, <laughs> stop! Like, I mean, if it wasn't for like your Simpsons on Disney Plus, like we wouldn't manage. Oh, absolutely. Oh, thank God. Yeah, thank God for streaming services as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i suppose if the internet goes down like you know i think we'll go to like mad max future incredibly quickly oh i'll be the first one out there beheading <laughs> people in, in my in my steel tongue <laughs> you'll become the your dwarf barbarian character exactly yeah yeah <laughs> i i i joke I would, I would not last five minutes in that sort of world i think i'll be one of the first to go in some horrific accent 
funnily enough, that is quite operatic. Like, you know, sort of yeah, you charging oh, out there, yeah. bellowing, like. <laughs> and then instantly dead. <laughs> right. True to my art form. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we are just about out of time. Is there anything games related or otherwise you want to mention on the air? Oh, I mean, no, that's that's me covered, I think, for the moment. I think any, any, those are the board games I've been playing for the last while and the games I love. Uh, but, uh, yeah, check out Azul. We didn't really talk about it there, but you brought it up again. That's another excellent game that's sort of, it's a quick one. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit strategy, but for some reason it's such, I, any sort of gaming channels I might watch on YouTube, it had always popped up again. And people would be like, just it's always one of those fringe games that people are like, oh yeah, you, can, you should definitely check out Azul. And when I checked it, I was like, I don't know why I love this, but I love this game. <laughs> I know it's my old flatmate got it just before I moved out, and I was like, well, why do you oh, like yeah. it? And they they kind of went, it's just so pretty. Yeah, it's very pretty, and it's also quick. It's quick, like uh, have you ever played Secret Hitler? No, what? See, see, you should get someone on. You should get someone who knows more about it. To talk Dude, about you cannot Hitler. drop a secret Hitler in the last minute. I of just the episode. dropped a secret Hitler bomb, but uh, <laughs> I've only played it once or twice. My cousin brought it over, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, a short but funny game in where it's kind of like a hidden. Uh, it's like you've got a wolf among the sheep, sort of a thing, and three people are fascists. One of them is Hitler, and everyone else is. Uh, Everyone else is kind of uh, on the good, the good side. Yeah. All <laughs> right, you're, that in we're going to have comment. to have you back on to talk about Secret Hitler and Azul in a few weeks. Assuming <laughs> you haven't gone in the meantime. <laughs> in, assuming you haven't gone like full Mad Max opera, then we're going to have well, to erase knows? that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Dean. No worries. Thank you so much for giving up the time for this. Like, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, time. Yeah. No, I'm happy to have someone to talk to and something fun to talk about. Well, I mean, in all seriousness, that is kind of the appeal of games right now. It's a great way of like staying Absolutely, in touch with people yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like, I agree. Right. Well, on that mm-hmm. slightly downbeat note, we'll call time <laughs> on <laughs> the game corner. Uh, we'll be back this uh, Friday at one o'clock. Rory Dunn, thank you very much. Hope we can talk again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 